Hey, Doug. We're over on Hollywood Boulevard. We are on the boulevard. Karen is in the driver's seat. Foot semi hard on the accelerator. I don't oh, know. Yeah, my foot's You're on too tired. You're too tired to really give it full gas. I feel. Oh no, no, no. I'm giving it full gas. So listen. Oh. Okay. So if you followed us over from um, back on, from the Melrose Place portion of of this podcast, um, you will know that I said I hate this show in response to Melrose Place in the last episode. And I, I feel like, you know, hate, hate is a very strong word, um, but I do feel like there are some shows, and I have an example of one, um, that you love, but you hate. And it's not quite hate watching. Um, you know, I think, I think that's a little bit different than what I'm talking about, but maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe it's just my perception of what hate watching is, but, um, like you want to like a show and you want to, and, and like you're rooting for the show, but it's just not living up to your expectations, but you don't want to abandon it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I feel like I, I keep up with things or give it a full shot out of not loyalty, but a sense of like, I'm a, being a completist. Like, you want to follow the story all the way to the end. Yeah, like, I always say, and it's about, whether it's TV or uh, a night at the theater or whatever, like, I want to know what that was. I'll never stop reading something, stop watching something midstream, walk out in the middle of a show, because I'm like, but there's more of that that I will have not seen, so I keep I keep up with it. And more often than not, my opinion doesn't really change based on having seen more of it, but I can't have that stuff be out there, and I don't know it. There are very few examples of when I have given up on certain things. I think, so what sparked this sort of thought in my, in my head or my, this question that I had for you was I watched Carnival Row, which is um, one of the prime series on Amazon, new prime series on Amazon. It stars Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne. I don't know if I'm it's selling Delevingne. Yeah. Um, and, and, okay, so much to love about this show yet so much hate so it's this takes place in this sort of steampunky universe um they are i don't know too much about the background of the show it might have been based on a book i'm not entirely sure but it's basically like fae or fairy lore which i will say good on them I have always said, like, you know, I write urban fantasy. I've always said the one thing I will always, always, always stay away from is um, is anything to do with fairies and fae or, or fae, um, pucks, that sort of thing, because the world building is so intricate when you have these magical yes. creatures. Like, you know, there's the winter court and the summer court and who's in this, you know, and, and who's in the summer court. And who, I mean, there, and there are rules that like you can't eat. Um, if you're a human and you ate, eat fae food, you are trapped in fairyland. And, you know, so, so there are all these rules and they're so intricate and amazing. I mean, I absolutely love reading really, really, really well done um, fae books, you know, but um, they can be really hard. Like, they're very, very hard. Um, there is a wonderful series um, called uh, the October Day series, and I am forgetting uh, the name of the author right now because I'm a bonehead. 
Um, but if you do want to read a really great series with Faye in it, I highly, highly recommend the series called October Day, D-A-Y-E. Um, it's a great urban fantasy uh, book series that I've, I love. Um, and she does a really great job creating this magical world. But I digress. Um, so Carnival Row is beautiful. It is absolutely stunning to watch. They've done this sort of like great job in creating this old London, um, but it's still kind of magical because obviously you have Faye and they have like a little magical land and you go there and it's it's got like all of those things that are so great, but there are just parts of it that are so it make me so angry because I want to love this wholeheartedly and I can't. And I feel like um, the biggest reason is Orlando Bloom. Tell me more. He is a terrible actor. I agree. I mean, full stop. He is a terrible actor. He like hams for the camera. You know, I mean, he's sort of like has these weird facial expressions like 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 that he like puts on when he's, you know, trying to be serious or thinking, you know? Um, I mean, truly, I, I'm truly the British acting contingent must just want to kick him out <laughs> because I honestly can't say that I've ever seen a British actor and been like, Oh my God, he's terrible. Did you always think he was terrible? Because, I mean, spoiler alert, I did. But um, I was curious if you did. I think he, I think depending on the movie, he's able to hide it really well. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so, like, with Lord of the Rings, like, he kind of didn't have too much to do. Except no. to, like, shoot and a bow and look pretty. Yeah. You know? And so, and so it didn't... And again, and he was, and he was surrounded by such powerhouses too that, um, mm -hmm. you know, they they kind of like raised him up a bit, you know. Um, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, he had, um, he had, he had charm. I, I don't even want to say charisma because Johnny Depp had that, and 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 he didn't. Um, but that's yeah, kind of, it was easy enough for him to play just the straight man off of Johnny Depp yeah, doing all the work. But that's when I really kind of felt though, like, mm, well, he's not so good. Like that's where that's where it really hit me, where I was like, yeah, this actor not so good. Um, I don't know that I've seen him in anything else besides those two movies because I can't say he's a big box office draw for me. No, I don't honestly know that he is for many, aside from people thinking he's very pretty looking, and admittedly, he is. Um, but I did see, and this is where a lot of things sort of hit a wall for me, that Cameron Crowe movie, Elizabeth Town. I did not see uh, that. Kirsten Dunst, where he plays, uh, it starts out basically with him being a very suicidal guy. Um, and it was kind of the movie that broke Cameron Crowe's streak, and I honestly don't know that he has ever recovered from that break in his streak. Um, I'm not saying that Orlando Bloom is the main reason that movie is bad. I'm just saying that movie is bad, and he's bad in it. Mm. And I can't really remember many other credits of his from the last 12 years. Yeah, it seems like he's been kind of riding the wave of pirates. I guess, yeah. Um, and Katy Perry. I mean, you know, because the, I forget that they're still together. Alyssa, my beloved, reminded me of that just the other day. <laughs> because 
what has he, because all of a sudden he's in this Amazon. Now, to be fair, um, Cara Delevingne, Delevingne? Delevingne is how I see it. I liked her in whatever superhero, what was the Marvel movie she did where she was the bad guy? And I thought, oh, I saw her and I thought, oh, the model, she's actually not terrible. She is wonderful in this. I can see that. I feel like she's kind of a natural. Yeah, she was surprising because I was kind of like, oh, she's going to suck eggs. No, she was really good. She was quite good. And I was enchanted by her. And um, Simon McBurney is in this. And every scene he does, he it's just he just sings. It is just marvelous. So there is so much to love here. Like I said, um, the world building... Some of the actors are spectacular, um, but it just isn't quite enough. And, and, and Orlando Bloom just really kind of threatens to sink it. Damn. I know, and I want to love it. Like, I, I'm rooting for it, and I want to love it so bad. And, and oddly, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sad that this is over. Like, I would like this series to keep going. Like, I mean, and obviously, it sounds like it will. I don't know if they've, you know, they, they've left it open-ended so that it can continue. Um, and I assume, I mean, Amazon's got nothing but money to burn, so I assume, like, why not, <laughs> you know? Um, give it another season, but... Uh, but I was kind of surprised at how bummed out I was for it to end because I was kind of like, but you don't love this. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things like, well, secession is no longer. What else do we have to watch? We're both enduring the withdrawal. Yeah. So, okay. Why don't we watch that fairy show? Okay. You know, so it's just kind of like this, uh, this stopgap. Um, and I, but I was like, I, I guess like I was kind of like had such high hopes for it and I'm still hoping that it comes through, but I don't know that it will unless you kill Orlando Bloom off. Well, that's nice of you to throw an idea out. Yeah, we could. Um, but that, but, you know, sort of tying back to Melrose, I guess this is kind of how I'm feeling about Melrose. Although I think that. My, the hate for Melrose at the moment is probably stronger than the love. Yeah, my guess is there's uh, more laziness in the Melrose episodes we're trudging through right now than, than Carnival Row. Yeah, and I kind of feel like I'm at the point where, where I gave up on Melrose. I think I gave up on Melrose around this same point back in the day. Yeah. Um, I get- you know, I mean, I, I couldn't watch it faithfully anyway because college student didn't have a TV you know, so so my my watching of Melrose was always spotty to begin with, but this is when I really just like like gave up on it and said I don't need to watch that anymore. Um, but then when Lisa Rinna came on, I watched it a little bit again, but I didn't stick with it because I had missed so much. You know that I missed. You know I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite things is if I have abandoned a long-running TV show coming back to it, being like, who's still on? Who's married to who now? Where, what happened? I think it was just too much work. Yeah. You're like, no, this is too much work. I mean, so have there, ever, have there been other shows like that for you? Or, you know, where you're like, well, I know that you said you watch because you just, you, you have to finish it. But, like, what have you hated? Hello? Oh, there you beeped. You're, you're I'm on. trying to think. 
I'm back. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was thinking so hard, we lost the connection. Um. Well, I feel like I probably do it more now with streaming things, just because it's so. It's a less of a time commitment over time. You can just watch things you don't love. Um. What's an example? What have I watched? Oh, I can give you a great example that we actually referenced just last week on the the semi-botched episode of uh, the podcast. Ozark is a show we'll sit through, and we'll watch from beginning to end of every season, though we do not think it is a great or particularly sophisticated uh, put-together show. Now, Ozark... That's the one with I watched one episode of that and I thought it looked fascinating and never went back to it. Well, was it the first episode? It was the first episode. Because we watched that, we were like, damn, this looks like it's an action packed show. And then a lot of the um a lot of the stories that have followed feel very inorganic and don't really don't maintain that same element of danger that really has to kind of penetrate every episode. Otherwise, it just seems like they're faking being these, like, horrible criminals in the Ozarks. Um, so I can see why people in large get caught up in it, but I think it's the kind of show that if it were on a network, after five or six episodes, it would probably be canceled. I think the, okay. I think viewer engagement would drop off significantly. Interesting. But otherwise, like, uh, you know, like, I watch all of them through. Do I think The Crown is sometimes more like a very studied series of Wikipedia articles masquerade, masquerading as episodes with a big budget and pretty hair and costumes? Yeah, I do. Um, but I watch every episode. However, back in regular TV land, I gave up on Grey's Anatomy like five seasons in. I loved West Wing for about four seasons and then gave up on it with a couple left. I did the same thing of The Practice. Huh. Um, so, so I guess I didn't sit through everything. So you will, you will abandon things, but it seems you know like what? you really give it, like, the old try. I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely will give it the old try. Um, you know, another show we talked about last year that I ended up not watching all of... Uh, was the haunting of hill house you didn't finish it we never finished it. it's still on our list that list is long but we never we never got back into it but we hated watching every episode so yeah i know you you didn't love it the way i loved it yeah, yeah. i really thought i was gonna love it it's halloween coming again maybe we should watch it yeah is it gone is that the end of hill house or are they bringing it back no, I think they're bringing it back, but with a new family, or it's kind of like rebooted with a very different um, kind of story. So kind of like what they do with American Horror Story, where they'll just change kind the storyline. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's completely new or if it's there's some overlap, but they're pivoting, like who they're focusing on. Okay. But kind of the same thing about like the, the rep uh, repertory style of American Horror Story, which I will say... Um, I, I do watch every episode of every season, um, and that is probably close to hate-watching, because I'm just like, this is so stupid, you're all so terrible, this plot makes no sense, these actors are awful, and I keep coming back. This season, I knew I was going to come back for, because it's 
a really lazy riff on the 1980s. Oh, no. 13th, and I was like, it's going to be terrible. Oh. How much of me did you just miss? Um, a, a fair bet. Um, so I'm, re- I'm watching American Horror Story 1984, which mocks the slasher films of the 80s, like Friday the 13th. Right. Because it's so bad, but it can't be any worse than its, like, source material that it's spoofing. Um, but it is bad. It is bad. You know, I mean, you, you know, I couldn't even get through the very first episode of American Horror Story. As soon as that kid yeah, showed up in his latex for- suit, I just lost my shit and started laughing. And I was like, I can't watch this if I'm laughing at this. Well, this was definitely the right reaction to that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel... I don't know if I've ever not hate-watched something Ryan Murphy and his group had their fingerprints all over. But I didn't stop watching. He's one of the ones that just leaves me scratching my head. About, like, how did this man become so successful? Yes. Yeah. Alyssa and I ask that question all the time. I don't... Sometimes through tears. I don't enjoy his stuff. I just do not enjoy his stuff. And he is like Teflon. He is like Teflon. Yeah. It's like the blob. His grip only gets larger and larger over the entire industry. Meanwhile, you have a director like M. Night Shyamalan, who everybody seems to hate. But I don't know. I enjoy his movies. Yeah. All of a sudden, he can't get arrested. And it's like, he's not doing anything that awful. Yeah. And And I think they're... And yet, we have Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Yes. Stuck with him. Go figure. Sicked on us. Go figure. Yeah. Um, so guys, what do you hate watch or love to hate watch or love watch, but hate it? We want to know. Yeah, do you actually, do you actually call it hate watching or do you like, like when you watch, watch? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm loving yet hating on it. So did you watch all of Carnival Row? I did. And do you know what's next for you? In terms of what I'm going to be watching next? Oh, no, I asked a difficult question. The internet cut us off. Uh, no, I think like, like oh, I mean, in my world, like, there's always like twelve shows. Like, oh, this will be the next one we watch. This will be the next one we watch. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I have been plotting through Breaking Bad for the first time. Eh? Yeah, well, I'm fine. We're finally on the last season. Um, not, not. Loving it the way people loved it. Well, I, I thought it was pretty strong in the beginning through the first half, and then I didn't love love it. In I'd say probably its final two seasons, I think it started to strain credibility for a couple different reasons. Um, so I didn't love it the way most people did, but I still think it was a cut above many other things. And I have been trying to watch the the show that I really want to watch right now is the Mayans, and I am shut out of FX at the moment, and I'm trying to find a way in. Um, so I haven't been able to watch it, and I'm kind of bummed about it. And uh, oddly, Kurt Sutter, the creator, was yeah. fired from Damn. FX last week. Um, no idea what that was about, except that I do know that he is. An abrasive gentleman, shall we say. So maybe he just, you know, pissed off one executive too many. I don't know. Yeah, it had to be someone with enough clout to to not tolerate the shit as opposed to, like, 
the people beneath him that he was being nasty to for however long. Well, I, I also think I, I, I think that um, he's not the golden goose anymore. I mean, I th- actually think the Mayans is a better show than Sons of Anarchy. Um, I think that it's grittier. I think it's less of a soap opera. I think part of that is because there ain't no Charlie Hunnam to look at. Um, you know, this feels um, much more uh, badass and renegade than, a, you know what I mean, than something that you're going to watch, you know, with your spouse. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of soapy. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed their first season. And, um and so, luckily, it's going to the, the series is going to keep going with the showrunner, whose name I just lost. Um, but uh, but Sutter is no more. But I think that it doesn't have the same amount of buzz as SOA. No, it really doesn't. I didn't. I wasn't even sure it was still on until I saw an ad for it. Yeah, like it doesn't seem to have that sort of like same buzz. It's not getting the same sort of media coverage. It's not. You know, if I remember, though, SOA took a little time to sort of, like, ramp up. Like, it wasn't the first season. It was more like kind of like the succession where it ramped up the second or the third season where people started going, hey, wait, this is really kind of good. And it started being talked about. Um, You know, I don't see that happening with the Mayans. So I think that might be part of it. Like, they were just like, you know, he's no longer that sort of, like, you know, the golden goose is not like, or the goose isn't laying the golden egg anymore. And so... He's been a right pain in our ass from the very beginning, and now we can finally fire him. Yeah. I mean, that's always when it happens, right? When you right. start to lose your grip. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, you know, luckily they said that the series will keep going um, with with the showrunner who has been with the series since the beginning. Um, and, again, the name escapes me. He's very talented, and, um, and I'm happy that he's going to keep going with it because I think that it's probably – been him and the writers and not necessarily Sutter. Like, I don't think Sutter has been as involved in this as, um, as, as he was with SOA, um, clearly because his wife isn't in it too. Um, so yeah. So, so that was what I was hoping to be on at the moment. But like I said, I'm having issues getting FX. So, um, I'm not quite sure when I'm going to get to see that. Otherwise, I don't really know. I haven't been paying any attention to, like, the new season, the new TV season coming out. I feel like there was something coming up on HBO that sounded like it might be okay. What what did they just drop? Is it Watchmen? Watchmen. That's what it was. Yeah, um, we are probably going to let a couple episodes stack up and binge them at a time. Right, because that sounded kind of intriguing. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Did you see the movie adaptation about a decade ago? Yeah, I couldn't get through it. I shut it off after about 20 minutes. I was like, what the hell is this? And I just shut it off and well, didn't do it. That is the difference between you and me, because I thought it was kind of misguided from start to finish, but I did watch it from start to finish. See, look. So there we are. See, look. But I was also in the movie theater, which is a little different. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't in the movie theater, um, although I suspect I might have walked out. Although movie theater prices, I would have been like, I demand my money back. Yeah, it's just easier for me to sit and think about what I'll buy on the way home sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So, hey, what do you hate? What do you love? What do you hate watch? What do you love to hate watch? Let us know over on Facebook at Back on the Block Pod. Doug. I'm here. Are we going to go to Broadway? 
We can go to Broadway, I ho- uh, connection permitting. Um, I can talk about Broadway and I can talk about off-Broadway, but um, I would like to start on, um, we have Oscar winner Marissa Tomei in an adaptation of The Rose Tattoo, which is not only a Tennessee Williams play, it's the only Tennessee Williams play to have won a Tony Award for Best Play. I did not realize that. It's true, but it doesn't really have a place as high in his canon as some of the masterworks like Streetcar Named Desire and uh, Glass Menagerie, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Did you just miss that? No, we heard that. Oh, it's so weird what this thing is doing. No. It also gained fame as a film that won the Oscar for Best Actress for the Italian actress Anna Magnani. the, which I think is an extraordinary performance that not enough people talk about. The play itself versus the movie um, is lighter. It is about uh, a young Italian widow in living on in a, a Gulf Coast town um, who comes to learn that her late husband wasn't as great as she has remembered him to be. He was a criminal. He was a philanderer. Um, and eventually someone uh, a bit significantly younger than her shows up and is very reminiscent of her late husband. And it's, it's her battle mostly with herself to decide, is this a sign? Should she give this man this love a second chance? There's essentially a dance that she does with the gentleman, um, but also with her own psyche, her own mind, her own heart, to give herself, uh, to allow herself to have another chance at love. Um, it's an odd show. I don't know that it really aged super well uh, which doesn't mean it's a bad show it just means it's a curious choice to revive but marissa Tomei, i think is by and large wonderful in it and she gets to show off her full range from comedy to drama to sensuality um very impressive and as the younger man um who begins this courtship with her um is a scottish actor named Eamon elliott who is wonderful i thought he was quite we said charismatic before. I think he certainly has that in spades. It's a kind of a messy production. The stage itself is uh, overly cluttered um, with props, and you know there there are, there are pieces of furniture that represent Marissa Tomei's character's Serafina's house. Um, but like, I had no idea how to follow that sort of blocking. I had no idea when someone was in the house or out of the house, could be seen and heard, not seen and heard. Uh, it's a chaotic production as designed or as, you know, overseen by the director, Trip Coleman. Um, probably not one of the brightest lights on Broadway this year, but uh, if you want to see Marissa Tomei on stage, uh, you could do worse. Okay. Uh, you could probably do better if you just walk down the block and go off Broadway to the West Side Theater, where one of my all time, all time, all time favorite shows, Little Shop of Horrors, has gotten a revival. Everybody is in love with this revival yeah i mean i think that's because they're in love with the show i think itself i just think it's a masterpiece um you know in context it's it was alan menken and howard ashman and it's what led them to get to do the disney movie musicals like little mermaid and beauty and the beast which kind of ushered in a whole new generation of musical appreciation can i make Uh, can can i admit something that's going to get us all sorts of hate mail and one-star reviews 
Uh, yeah, I dare, I dare them to. Yes. I hate little shop of horrors. Good night, Karen. Goodbye. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's smart. Well, is there one thing about it that you hate? Like, it's not your thing, or it's you just, just hate not it? my it's thing. All- it's just, it's a fucking talking plant and a sadistic dentist, and like, no. Suddenly, fucking Seymour, I couldn't. No, never, never fucking Karen. You I, can't. D- I really, I couldn't. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, I, I, I was like, "No, no." And that, and that, my, I, I saw the movie. I never saw it on stage. So maybe, maybe it's like, well, if you didn't see it on stage, you saw the movie. Well, that was a big mistake. But everybody loved that movie too. I walked out. You walked out. Wait, but how old were you? Um, thirteen. Yeah, that's walkout age. Yeah, I walked out. Wow. I walked out. Wow. Waited for my ride home. Wow. Yeah, waited for my ride home out in the lobby of the movie theater smoking cigarettes. You're so tough. I was so badass. Hated that movie. I was like, what the fuck? Well, I don't recommend this to you now then (laughs) (laughs) i mean look everybody is like in love with this with this new chat like the new staging and apparently there's one run running concurrently in los angeles that's also yeah getting lots of love so you all do you and go watch it but i'm gonna stay home for this yeah, so the one in L.A. that I've not seen is being touted for its non-traditional casting. Um, there is a trans actress in the dominant female role, and um, there is a performer of color uh, playing the lead, Seymour. Um, neither of them is a performer I'm a particular fan of, so I won't even say their names. Um, but I did see them perform live on the James Corden show, and I was nonplussed. Um what I will say about the production I just saw here in New York, um, it's well done. It's it's very it, – the whole thing, it's a, it's a top-shelf revival directed by Michael Mayer, who I interviewed for Opera News Magazine last year. I just want to throw that out there. Um, it's a very small space. They make the best of it. The actors, Jonathan Groff, Tammy Blanchard, Christian Borle, the actors are all very good. Um but I don't know. There's something about it. It feels very dutiful. It feels very beloved by everyone involved. But it doesn't take it to a sort of a higher plane. Like, I feel like everyone wants to do Little Shop at some point, And this is the group of people that has done Little Shop, and they did fine by it. But it's not one that I think I will talk about forever. Interesting. Now, did you ever see it on stage before? Um, I have. I have been in it on stage more than once, actually, and I saw it when it was on Broadway 16 years ago, 17 years ago. You did um, see it on Broadway. As well. Okay. Wait, 17 years ago? Um, just about. It was right around the time I first moved here, so it was either 03 or 04, I think 04. Why do I not even remember it being back on Broadway back then? I don't know. You were busy. I guess I was busy, and I guess I dislike it, so why would I even pay attention to it? You weren't going to go see it. It's, um, I believe, the only time it has been on Broadway. 
it started off Broadway, never transferred during its initial run. Sorry, um, right. and only had revival. I should have said back in New York. Did it get any Tony nods? Yes, it did for Hunter Foster as leading actor. Oh, now I remember. Hunter was wearing glasses. Yes. Yes, now I remember now. Okay. Whoa. Barely, but I remember. Um, and I think that was the only nomination. It was not well-received uh, as opposed to the current revival. I think part of it was just timing and the way people sit in the culture and they wanted a different show to be the big thing, and they wanted their old little shop to be the best little shop, and I think that's how the wheel turns. Because I saw it, and I found it very credible. I thought um, Carrie Butler as, as Audrey was very good. Do you think... I think we, we lost Doug for a minute, so I'm just going to... I'm here now. I don't know what else you missed, but I'm here now. Okay. I was just going to pop in and say, do you think that it lost something in the in the space of, like, you know, being, it, it originated off-Broadway, so it was going to be in a smaller theater to begin with. Do you think maybe in the transfer, or the, not even transfer, I don't want to say it, but in putting... The remounting. The remounting in putting, you know, what would have been, maybe it succeeded partly because of the intimacy of the of the space, um, and putting it in a more cavernous theater affected the viewing I don't think so. I think you could make that case for for uh, many a show, but not for this one. Okay. Uh, I don't think it had a problem um, still connecting to uh, members of the audience. Again, as you know, as you've said, it's a big plant singing on stage, so it's not something super subtle that you'll miss up in the balcony. Um, no, I don't. I just think it wasn't one of the the sacred shows of that season really right right you know you had wicked and avenue q and boy from oz and i think people oh were, yeah no you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna stand out with that it wasn't you know it just wasn't its time as right. as you know as the wheel turns um but i didn't even know if you can get a ticket for the show at this point i don't know what the plans are ultimately for if it you one imagines they do want to move the show to Broadway because they can make Boku bucks, but but I don't know. For I don't what I'm saying is I don't know if there are tickets to be had right now before they it takes on its next chapter. Um, but if you want to see it, it's good. But Karen, don't see it. No, Karen's not going to go see it. I'm not even to hate watch of it. Hate watch of it. Hate watch it. <laughs> and. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you wouldn't even walk out. I mean, could you walk out, I guess, is how I should put it. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Um, and we could keep going around and around off-Broadway. There's two smaller shows, um, not similar in theme, but kind of tied togetherable that that I would like to, to give a plug to, though both are coming close to the ends of their runs. Um, one is called Nothing Gold Can Stay, which is uh, written by Chad Beckham, uh, co-founder of Partial Comfort Productions, um, which does a lot of, uh, as you had said, intimate shows that I think really give a kind of granular look at, at people um, living sort of unglamorous day-to-day -day lives. This. Oh, no. It's the attack of the bad connection. To college. We lost uh, uh, All right. 
Nothing gold can stay. It's about a family in Maine. The son goes off to college, but his girlfriend stays at home with his mother um, because her own family life is is pretty screwed up. Uh, and she is college age, but not going to college. She has a, a blue-collar job and also turns out to have a very serious opioid addiction. Um, and so through a series of small, often quiet scenes, um, we see how that plays out over a couple years in the life of, of this family. Um, the the son, the one who goes off to college, is played by an actor named Michael Richardson, making his uh, stage debut. Interestingly, he is the son of Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson and took her name for his stage. Huh. Uh, which is worth noting on its own, but I actually applaud him because I thought he was very affecting in the show um and mary bacon as his mother i think is probably the standout performance she's she's quite wonderful um so uh, i really think there's only a few days left unless it's been extended um but i was able to get in close to the end of its run so nothing gold can stay very very good and on the subject of addiction uh a show you are familiar with is one that i saw called the white chip playing at 59 east 59 theaters um, which I have to say is one of also the stronger shows I've seen this year. Oh, um, it is, um, uh, it's a three, uh, not three character, but three actor, um, intermissionless show. Uh, and it's the true story about uh, the playwright, um, and, and his struggle with alcohol addiction, uh, over many, many years. And, and what he lost and what he gained along the way. Um, and the main actor who plays Sean, I don't even know if he's named in the piece. I guess he is. I, I think um, I, I, they did. It was originally Sean, um, but Sean Daniels is a playwright. He changed it because he felt like it, the audience was too focused on it being his story. His story rather than it. it rather than being a story. Yeah. So he changed, I believe, um, the character's name off the top of my head. I'm just riffing here as Steve now instead of Sean. Okay. Okay. Um, but I just wanted to give a lot of props to the performer playing Sean slash Steve slash Everyman, um, Joe Tapper. Who's fantastic? I mean, this is a heroic performance, um, and I'm gonna start out by saying something that's probably not gonna sound like a compliment, but I mean it to be. Which is, there are certain types of stories that we belittle, and one of them is sometimes uh, like addiction stories. We say, "Oh, that's a TV movie or a Lifetime movie, or it's an issuey type play or an issue mm. type." Story, and we don't necessarily give it the credence or it deserves, or we dismiss it as saying, oh, that's an awards bait thing. Um, but this is a really deep, searing, I mean, I almost don't know how he sustains it for 100 minutes um, uh, without a break, really, uh, on stage. Uh, he's he's quite terrific. Um, and so so I think it is, I think it is a smart, play that shows a, a, another example of how one goes through life as a functioning alcoholic or perhaps less functioning than he thinks um, and showing how like you can actually have 
you know, there's a life that goes on during that period of time, even while you're making a lot of mistakes and, and getting ever closer to rock bottom. Uh, that's, that's the credit of the show, but the performance really raises the whole thing to another level. So I really did want to salute Joe Tapper. So oh. that's, that's really, that's a really uh, great performance from a season that we're about to hit the halfway point in and hasn't had a ton of great performances. That is one to add to the list. Okay. And one that just to be remembered. Yes. Well, thank you. So there we go. That's four shows that I did not hate watch. Uh, <laughs> well, yay. Here's to the theater. To the theater. To the until theater. Next week. Yeah, until next week where everything you see is going to be dreadful. Well, <gasps> potentially. Potentially. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, all right. So I guess we should wrap it up while we still can. Um, yes. Yes. Apologies again. Uh, I think we said it in the other podcast, but again, for this one, um, I'm not sure what's going on uh, uh, with my cable connection, my internet connection, but I'm sorry for all the glitches and hiccups that you are hearing. And if there's anything that of mine was cut off, you didn't hear, you can be certain that it was brilliant. And I'm sorry that you didn't get. We're sorry you missed it. Um, the, the technical glitches weren't as bad this week as they were last week. Last week, they were good, ridiculous. Good. Well, here's hoping maybe we can figure something out between now and next week, which yep. which will be a special Halloween episode. I don't know how we're going to make it special. I just know it's going to be Halloween next week, and therefore it shall be special. We'll make it special. You know we will. Although, if any of you guys have any ideas of stuff we can talk about to time it to Halloween. I'm all about giving it a try and uh, uh, doing the appropriate research to talk about it. So you know how to hit us up. Back on the Block Pod on Facebook is the best way to reach us. Um, you can sweeten it up with a five-star review. We'll definitely watch whatever you want then. Yeah, leave a five-star review and we will watch. We'll be your bitch. We will watch whatever. <laughs> yep, I feel like that has to be the title now. We'll be your bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, darlings. Um, until next week. Yes, we've missed you, but we're glad to be back, and we will see you again back on the boulevard and back on the block. Bye. Bye.